Your property podcast comes to you with thanks to our friends at Trafalgar Square Finance, leading independent specialists in mortgages and all types of property finance. Whether it's buy-to-let, development or bridging finance, Trafalgar Square can help you organise your funding for your next property project. Exclusively to listeners of Your Property Podcast, Trafalgar Square offer a free one-to-one consultation. So whether you are a portfolio landlord looking to raise funds on your existing portfolio, or if you're just starting out and want to find out if you are eligible for a buy-to-let mortgage, Trafalgar Square Finance can help. It's easy to book with one of their experienced consultants by simply visiting yourpropertynetwork.co.uk forward slash finance. You can find this link in the show notes for more details. Hello and welcome to Your Property Podcast. My name is Michelle Cairns and with us we've got Latoya McDonald. Hi Latoya. Hi, how are you? Great, thank you. It's good to have you on here and yeah, um, yeah I've heard you are going to be in our YPM magazine from January, um, yes. which is exciting. So we are actually recording this on the 30th of November 2022. Um, so if uh, if you are listening to this in January, then do check out her, um, do check out Latoya's articles in the magazine. I'm going to tell you all about uh, what Latoya has been up to and what she's going to be talking about um, today and in the magazine. So first of all, people who don't know you, Latoya, uh, do you want to just give us a, a brief background of, um, you know, where you're, where you're based now and where you've come from and, um, and yeah, what you're doing in property? Yeah, sure. So um, I'm Latoya, and as people can probably hear, I'm foreign. <laughs> I'm from New Zealand. I'm a Kiwi, um, but I live down in Cornwall. Um, so I'm based down there. And I've got a real estate background. I've been doing real estate in New Zealand since my late teens. Um, I actually uh, went into selling investment property. And after the earthquake, I went into doing, um, sorry, not after the earthquake, after the financial crash, I went into doing auctions with them. Um, family homes and deadline sales and that's very exciting very different to the auctions that are done here so it's normally quite expensive beautiful homes in New Zealand um, so I went and did that and um, and then after the earthquakes week we moved to Cornwall my partner's from Cornwall so I didn't just randomly go on the globe and pick a place uh, my partner's there are worse places to pick. <laughs> I love it here so uh, so yes yeah, so I'm here for good now so um so yes yeah, so that's what we do and when I moved to the country um took a job on the high street just to get to know um, the ins and outs of property here. Obviously you don't use the word real estate or you didn't back then very, very much. So, um, so I got to know that. And then in 2012, I hit the ground running with rent to rent. Uh, so that took off for me in a very good way. Um, it, 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 yeah. Say it changed my life. It is true. It really did. So um, so took off on that. And I was actually in the YPN back then as well for my, uh, for my rent to rent business. That was quite interesting. And then since then we've gone on to do um, we've got, we had an arm of the business doing service accommodation. Um, it's now a living agency that we have, uh, myself and my partner do HMOs in Cornwall. That's our portfolio, um, that we have there and doing commercial conversions. So, so that's, that's the backstory. <laughs> that's the comprehensive then. And, uh, it, it, you know, it's a kind of 
a story that is familiar to a lot of our members are people start off with rent to rent and then they you know uh get into hmos and service accommodation and um and then you know once people have replaced their income through property um i think that a lot of people what they end up doing is they replace the job for themselves as well <laughs> um and they kind of get stuck in this um you know the property business they started by getting into property and then realize actually there were a lot of business skills that they didn't really um, know that they needed. And then they kind of, you know, work on the business side and work on the business rather than in it. So I know that's where you're at at the moment in terms of, uh, you know, uh, been setting up lots of systems and processes um, and outsourcing for your own business and helping other people do that. So um, what was the kind of, do you remember the moment where you're thinking, right, this, this needs to be, you know sorted i need to kind of get all these systems in place or was it a case of you knew you needed to do that from day one um well it's quite uh i actually have quite a big uh, admin background in real estate from new zealand so when i moved here and set up the business and it did go quite big quite quick so i was kind of really scrambling to do that back-end stuff but i got there and um you know i think systems and procedures alone won't won't free you from your business they're not going to get you your time back and I actually um you know I didn't set up my systems and procedures so well because I'm highly intelligent I actually did it because I was going back to New Zealand to see people I was going on holiday um and it wasn't for a week at a time and it's quite a, quite a long time that I'm over there so I needed to make sure that people could step into my shoes and run the business because I didn't want any of my clients being affected and at that stage as well you know we we're transitioning from this um, you know, quite a large rent to rent to moving over to a letting agency. So I didn't want people to miss me or miss a service or anything like that. So back end stuff was was pretty good. It was, but it was not freeing me from the business. And I think a lot of people can relate to that as well, where, you know, you can have some systems and procedures, but it's still, the business can still suck your time. Um, and it's the outsourcing bit that then adds you to get your, your freedom back. Um, but where I, you know, I, I'd gone through and I'd, I'd hired staff members, like employed staff members for the property business, and then that didn't work out. And then I got another one and that didn't work out. And then I got a business partner. And so I've kind of been through the ringer a bit on, on all of that. And, um, you know, I, I think the point, though, for me was, you know, I'd missed um, some family events with my partner's family and I'd missed some other things and I was just constantly focused on the business and it was just sucking all of me. And then one day I realized, and this might be offensive for some people, but I realized uh, I was just fat and unhealthy. And I was like, God, you know, when I moved to this country, I was really fit and healthy. And, you know, I took... Um, exercise like you know as part of my life and and it just gone down the drain really and I just looked at it and I was like god you know this business is really sucking everything yeah you changed <laughs> so, the business and lost, lost the lifestyle yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so so that's the thing you know yeah, yeah. from the outside people see you buying property and you got nice car and all of that stuff and they go wow you're a successful and you think well you know I've got poor health and yeah, it's not great is it yeah, yeah, it's uh, that. What is the definition of successful? We could do a whole other podcast on that one. Um, yeah. But in terms of your, so your systems, obviously, you had some admin experience beforehand. And um, do you want to just kind of touch on that? Then, do you think that you did anything differently that helped you know you scale up in the end and helped you set step out of the business later on? Um, and anything differently than you what you see other people doing? Yeah, so I think um, I did actually spend a lot of time. I, 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 I wouldn't, 
I don't recommend, I wouldn't recommend people do what I did in the beginning. So I actually had a manual, which took me ages to create. I thought I'll get this done in a, you know, in a month or whatever it was. And it kind of went on and on and on. So I did this like manual where um, our staff members could go to the contents page and click on a particular topic. It would take them there and they'd follow the instructions. So now we don't do a lot of um, reading tasks or reading procedures. It's just a lot of checklists mixed in with videos. Um, and I think, but either way, you've still got to record what you do and your task, what you're doing. If you're not recording it, you can't expect that to, to be handed over to a, a staff member or a virtual assistant, expect them to get on with it 100% perfect. So at some stage, you've got to um, take the time to actually record yourself doing that task. And then it's it's gone forever, then you can hand it over. But I think a lot of people kind of struggle mentally with actually recording themselves doing that task. They think it's a workload and they think, oh, I'll do it next week or whatever. But you just got to get on with that and then you can hand it over then. Yeah, you're doomed to carry on doing it yourself until you actually can can hand it over to somebody else. And I think the, the new software like Loom and uh, Camtasia and the new uh, video recording software have just been a game changer um, for things like that. I think the manual was the old version 10 years ago before, before we really had easy access to video recording. Um, so, and... Uh, and then, okay, so you, you set up these the procedures and the, um, uh, the systems. Do you want to just kind of mention what a few systems that you use, software that um, you would recommend people who are starting out now? What, what, where they yeah, definitely. So one um, piece of, I don't know if it's software or app that I love is Asana. I love Asana and a little bit nerdy, but it's visually beautiful. So um, I've tried a couple of others and I was like, oh, this is clunky. I hate it. Whereas Asana is beautiful and the way that it works is, is lovely. Um, so we use Asana um, for, um, we actually use that within the leading agency to monitor things like um, tasks with, um, let's say we've booked a job with a tradesman, it moves along um, quite nicely and we can monitor it and I could, if I have to step into the business to check up on anything, I can see it visually, so it, it's beautiful. <laughs> and it's so, like, um, Asana, for people who don't know that, it's, it's that kind of like project management um, and it's got checklists in there and you can assign people to different tasks um it's if people are familiar with trello it's like the next level up um i think for for that okay so asana for managing yeah and yep. then um what other apps or what's your favorite um, and then i think really um is, is is think about the, the starting point is to be online so at the minute i'm quite proud of our business being um online based we don't use hardly any paper anymore which I quite I quite like um, and so I would say you've got to pick either Dropbox or um, Google Drive something like that to house all of your systems you've got to got to pick one of those and mine is Dropbox I love it um, so that that's what I would recommend is you know to start out point one really is to find your online house yeah, yeah. They, they, I guess they do the same, don't they, G Drive? I started with Dropbox, loved it, and then have somehow ended up with G Drive. I also love that uh, as well. So, um, but they both do the same thing, as you say, just just um, organizing and systemizing uh, all of your all of your material, I guess. Um, and then in terms of kind of the process of of how things work, then so um, any other favorite apps you've got? Um, any favorite apps? 
Well, we, we use Asana, but we also have our management software as well. So we actually use Arthur online. So that um, is another set of procedures that our team have for within that. So, um, and I would say if you've got a, I'll rephrase, if you're managing for other people, you're taking a fee for people, I would say definitely get um, a management tool. For me, I am um, a very not paranoid person, but like within my leading agency, you know, people paying our company to, to manage their portfolio, their baby for them. And so it's very important for me that at a drop of a hat, I can print off messages. I can prove when things were done. If we need to go to court, I can, I can have everything date and time stamped and it's got the IP, everything. That to me is important. So if you're just doing your own portfolio, maybe you don't need to pay that kind of money. But if you are looking to manage for other people, please invest in your business. Please spend the money because people are paying you to do a job. <laughs> do it yeah, well, like you said, yeah, whether it's for the people or yourself, it is a business. And I think for some people, it's that, it, you know, catch me too. Do you start by guessing the systems when you're starting out, um, even though you don't have a big portfolio, you might have one property, for example, or do, and do you wait until you get bigger before you kind of uh, upgrade and implement all these things? But sometimes it's, it is easier, even if it's a bit more cost- costly up front it's actually easier to get used to the systems while you've only got one property and yeah. then it's easier to scale um but I know it's it's hard you know for people starting out and they don't have you know the cash to kind of invest in all these different systems so um yeah, yeah. yeah just I think a, another point that you've just touched base on there as well is even if you only have a handful of properties you know a lot of people in the property world go on about legacy and stuff like that and you have to stop and think to yourself well if I died tomorrow can my husband or my wife step in can my kids step in where do they find the logins where do they how do they run this property business and I think you know it can be easily easy to sit there and go I've only got three HMOs or I've only got a handful of buy to let so it'll be fine but somebody's got to mop up that you're not leaving yeah. a legacy if you haven't got bits in place you're, you're just leaving a mess yeah, absolutely. It needs to be really clear and, and organized. Okay. And um, so then, so like moving on then to, from the systems and the processings to the outsourcing side of things, um, when, you know, how did that, how did you transition? Because a lot of people, they hear about how you can outsource and working with virtual assistants or assistants in, you know, UK based or offshore, wherever. Um, but they, you know, are reticent, they're a bit nervous about you know there's lots of um lots of beliefs that come up about you know working with other people um especially offshore so how did you make that transition desperation no I'm joking <laughs> <laughs> but like I think it's it's important thing that you've mentioned there because for me um I had heard people going on about Filipino VAs for ages and I was like oh and I was interested and I was reading stuff and I was watching but something was stopping me it, there was something in me that was and I've got nothing about nothing wrong with you know outsourcing people employing and all of that stuff and I've got nothing about you know obviously I'm foreign <laughs> so somebody employs me I mean you know obviously but I think once I started to see there were UK-based virtual assistants I was like oh I'm comfy now. This is my comfy spot. And when I got talking to some of them, um, you know, and I tested the waters with people that had no property experience and people that did. And I started to find my groove then. And, and I was starting to, 
it's just like a conversation isn't it? you go oh I like this person or they they we're the same on these sort of things and we match on that and you just just go with it really so I would say if people are um going overseas and and that feels like something they want to explore do it or if they're like actually no I'd rather have a UK based person who's got property experience then explore that you know it's just you yeah. you've got to yeah feel it don't you yeah there's lots of you know pros and cons you know whether you're working onshore or offshore and you know work with people UK based obviously you're on the same time zone apart from anything else you know they can make calls in the afternoon or evening um, and pick things up and then obviously you know if they're um, if their first language is English as well that's a bit easier and, and understanding the UK property market uh, is is another thing as well that you can get but obviously you know you're paying a premium for that um, as well so did you first of all uh, start working with UK-based assistants? Yes um so uh, I've been I, I don't want to you know say it's all rosy I have had some um you know down moments with the UK virtual assistants as well and I tried an agency which did not end well for me at all um so I think it's like anything you've got you can't just have a go once it's like when I employed a staff member and had a really bad experience I still had to try again otherwise I was going to be working a gazillion <laughs> hours which I didn't have so you've got to you've just got to pick yourself up and go okay I've got to learn from that I've got to learn from this um and the virtual assistant I've got now um, she's amazing you know and I and I don't I don't you know I didn't rip her down on price or anything like that I was like you know you're going to do this this this, this. and she's like yep so you know we just agreed it and move forward with our lives my life is now great her life's great she's getting paid well <laughs> you know and, and I'm happy with that yeah. And do you differentiate because uh, I would have imagined that someone UK based, I, th I would just refer to them as a PA, um, the personal system, but obviously you've referred to her as a virtual assistant and presumably she's just not in located where she's in the UK, but not near you. And She's and not near me. And, um, you know, I and she works for other clients. You know, she, right. doesn't, she doesn't work for me. And that's um, another little thing I would say as well is that when you are looking for a VA and you're going direct to them and um, I think it's important that they have other clients because you yeah. do not want to be in that uh interesting area with HMRC um so I would say don't be put off by I mean that's a virtual assistant works for other people you know and embrace it and and you know it either works for you or, or it doesn't and you need to go and employ someone yeah and you mentioned there that you um you know you had there was lots of kind of trial and error with uh, people with different types of experience. So did your VA already have experience of the UK property market or did you train her from scratch? Yes, so my VA that I have now, she's got experience of the property market and she is a landlord herself. So, um, and that was um, a nice little bonus for me because um, within my letting agency, it's one of the things that I've always been proud of is that we all have properties ourselves. So therefore we understand um, how we want to treat our tenants as our own tenants so therefore that's we treat other people's tenants that way and also we treat our landlords as if we own that property so it's it's it's, it's, it's it was a nice bonus that she had that experience as well um so yeah I think um it's quite interesting because if I go back <clears throat> to the early days of doing business um I didn't actually want to employ a staff member who had been on the high street because I felt like they had bad habits and now I've come full circle of like working with VAs and they've got some property experience and I'm like oh that's quite interesting and I think the difference is um because they're very admin based um and they crack on with a lot of um you know um, uh, I would call it 
even though they're low hourly rate tasks, they're still very important tasks um, to be done in the business. And um, yeah, I like that. Yeah, absolutely. And you said before about uh, how she works for other clients as well. So, um, and because I think sometimes people are put off by the higher hourly rate of UK based ones, but they're not working full time. A lot of the time, they're not, you know, uh, you're not on full time hours. So uh, they certainly can be very efficient in whatever hours they work. So do you have is she just working with you for um for your own kind of personal admin or, or admin for the business or is she for working with the letting agency and do you have you know is she the only one or do you have more yes yeah, so um, she is based with our letting agency um and I am going to be doing an article for yourselves, probably on the second or third one, where I'm going to be giving you examples of, um, because when I tell people what I pay my virtual assistant, people are like, oh my God, they almost fall off their chair. But um, I tell you, it is better than employing a staff member. And I'm going to be doing an article on it and show the numbers, because once I show you the numbers, you yeah. will be excited too. <laughs> so cool. <laughs> can you tell us what the uh what the hourly rate is uh so i paid my um virtual assistant 35 pounds an hour um and i can already tell people are going to be like no way will i pay that just wait until the article comes out because all will be revealed and explained and it will change the way that you think about them and you will go and get one <laughs> definitely <laughs> yeah I, I'm, I'm yeah I'm, I'm totally backing my my v, uk vas here definitely but you're obviously very passionate about, you know, um, having to having freed yourself from your own business and, you know, looking to um, to be able to scale. You can only do that when you're working on the business and those income generating tasks and, you know, working on those sort of high value areas there. So uh, what sort of it, what sort of things does she free you up from and, you know, how does that outsourcing work for you? Yeah, so within the leading agency, um, she's doing a lot of the day-to-day -day tasks. So, um, you know, and she's doing a lot of things like not just maintenance and um, managing current current tenants, but all of the, um, you know, anything that we advertise, she's advertising, she's taking the inquiries from that, she's dealing with the inquiries, sending out the app, everything until, you know, um, well, from start to finish, she's doing within that. Um, and she's also... Um, what else does she do? Everything. Just she's amazing. Um, and then uh, going back to a previous question you asked as well about having multiple VAs. So the VA that I've got now, that's her role. So I've set her role. I'm not going to give her anything outside of that because I want her to focus. And then I have some other roles that are going to be filled by another VA. So um, partly of my social media and some other things to do with my networking. So I run a couple of networking events down in Cornwall. So she's going to be helping with that. So um you could find a VA that would do it all, but I don't want my yeah. um, amazing letting agency being VA being sucked somewhere else when, yeah, she's so good at what she does. They're very different skill sets, aren't they, from admin to social media, and, and that's a, perhaps more of a creative role where you're creating content and creating posts and things, whereas admin um, is less creative. <laughs> uh, for people who are familiar with the uh, wealth dynamics, you know, there'd be very different profiles on the personality test there, uh, and I think that is something that sometimes people make a mistake on is trying to get one person, whether that's, you know, a, a, an employee in the UK or abroad, whoever it is, trying to kind of 
fit all of those tasks into one person it's yeah and I think it's important to be honest as well so like for example you know I found this VA for the leading agency we get along really well we're on the same wavelength same morals everything like that and I don't think it would be fair x months later to be like oh you couldn't book this for me or you couldn't do this for me because we've already agreed what her role is going to be and I don't think it's fair to do that so I think you know you should be open and honest with your VA up front exactly what you want them to do and then just stick with that yeah yeah and um okay so obviously you've you you know you've freed up some more time and you're working on growing the business so what's going on now what's what's happening next um so at the minute I'm working on um my coaching side of things my coaching business so that is me working with property people and getting them to um you know a point where I am at the minute with with the business so I'm doing that and then also um we're working on our own projects so we're doing HMOs and commercial conversions so that is um the other side of our business as well our and own you do, um you do like a turnkey service am I right in thinking for um HMOs and sort of sourcing is that right uh, so uh, with the letting agency, we manage the HMOs and we we try and give landlords the what I call the single let life. But you're you've got the HMO cash flow, so that's what we try and do in the letting agency. So that's what that does. Um, and then yeah, so we, we at the minutes via um, the so we have somebody that helps us sourcing our our deals direct to vendor, um, and he is going to be doing something next year for the property business um and corp- well, you know if that's part of the leading agency I don't want to say the name in case I'm not allowed um but yeah our, our property business that we have in Cornwall he's going to be um you know sourcing for clients and that sort of thing um but again that's that's come from building a team and, and having a, a trusted person there who's you know intelligent and competent around that to do that it's not something I want to do because I want to focus on Leading agency is doing well and that's great. And then I've got my coaching business. Um, that's my focus and then my own portfolio as well. So that's that's life pretty much tied up there. Yeah. <laughs> don't want to be sourcing for other clients as well. So uh, but yeah. somebody else well, will do that. Yeah, I love that tagline, by the way, the um single at life for HMO owners. So yeah. <laughs> it's what we dream about, isn't it? But you know, HMO yeah. is so exciting. I mean, I'm a I'm a massive HMO lover and it is so exciting, but um, I can tell you for a lot of people who own HMOs, they do not want that life. They want yeah. the cash flow, but not that particular life. So, yeah. and it's really, I think one of the most common sort of frustrations for people is trying to find a letting agency that can manage a HMO to the standard that they want. Um, and, you know, that they are managed. But at the end of the day, like you say, they don't want the phone calls when, you know, someone's you know someone's stolen someone's cheese or <laughs> yeah. you know, the light bulb's gone or whatever it is um so in terms of I know you're really passionate about HMOs as well so is, is the letting agency just focused on HMOs or do you have like a mixture of single it's a yeah it's a mixture of single lets we have quite a lot of single lets as well um hmo is our passion because we um you know being hmo owners ourselves we know it inside out um and not every agent can say oh yeah I've got HMOs myself and love them you know it's a special breed it's like having a I guess an ugly child only a mother could love that's what I feel about HMOs like I love them and people look at me strange and like you love them <laughs> so, yeah. well, they do a fantastic job you know that for many people they are the quickest way to you know sort of the best regular cash flow 
um, and for, for a lot of people, you know, it, it's the right strategy for them in their stage where they're at in their property journey. So, um, and do you find that, you know, because um, a lot of people, they don't want the, um, they struggle with letting it out to an agent, partly because of the, you know, the, the experience they have with the not doing a good enough job, but also um, a lot of the margin is in, doing the doing the work yourself I'm sure as you know of rent any rent to rent rent to SA model as well so um do you think that having having HMOs uh, to bring an agent on really suits people who are like you know they they've got enough buffer in the deal let's say yeah I think it depends on the cycle you're in in your business and I will do an article on this as well so that people can have an idea of um, let's say somebody's like, you know what, I only want to own three HMOs. That's all I want. Ticks my financial boxes. That's what I want to do. Then I will do an example around that person and how they can still have a life and get some help with that portfolio. Because that there, you wouldn't want to employ a staff member and you wouldn't probably want to outsource to an agent unless you've got maybe another full time employed income or something like that. So I'll do an example of that. And I'll also um, put some examples together of other scenarios of portfolio size as well. What's better, whether you bring it all in house or you employ a staff member or you go high street agents. Um, I'll do some examples for that. And the next and the first five articles, I'll put something in there. Brilliant. So that'd be really useful because I think it just you've hit the nail on the head there. It really depends what stage you are in your journey. Um, and there can certainly be a hybrid or, you know, a mix of different different ways to manage your HMOs or your portfolio that suits where you're at right now. And I think it's important that re people realise where they are right now and what they're looking to achieve. And one of my favourite sayings is, uh, is that you can have anything, but not everything. So you, you have to just pick, do you want the cash or do you want that, you know, the lifestyle? And, uh, you know, certainly at the early stages, you, you've got to pick which one. So, um, yeah, definitely. great. OK, well, where can people find out more about what you're up to? Obviously, you've got the magazine uh, article coming out in the new year. But um, are you more active on LinkedIn or, so, or Instagram, Facebook? Um, yeah, so um, I'll send some links over to you. So um, I do my videos on TikTok, Instagram and YouTube. And I also do post them in my um, Facebook. I've got a Facebook page and groups. So you don't have to join the group if you don't want to, but it's on the page as well. So, um, so yeah, so I've got, I've got social media covered. So I will send you all the links and I've got my podcast as well. So yeah. Yes, tell us about your podcast. What's it called? So it's called Outsourcing Your Property Business. Um, and I just share little nuggets on there and hopefully um, you implement them and you get your life back. <laughs> Great. Well, yeah, we'll put all the links in the show notes to that and um, people can follow up with you there. We'll look forward to reading your articles in the new year and, um, and seeing what happens next for you. Yeah, awesome. Thank you very much. Thank you and take care. And for uh, anyone who is not yet a subscriber to the magazine, please click the link in the show notes for your free 30-day trial. We'll see you next time, guys. Thank you.